Good morning to each of you here. It's been good to be here already today. And I like the thought in that last song when it talked about having a heart of expectancy and meeting together and going to the house of the Lord. Anticipating what God would have. I also appreciated our Sunday school this morning. We didn't allow our teacher a whole lot of time to get into the lesson with some of our other discussions. But one verse that stood out to me from Joshua is where he spoke the idea of, of waiting until I give the word. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. And often in God's dealings with man, a big event, preceding that he would, he would have them to wait and to hear his voice. 2 Samuel 5.24 says, And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. The sound of a stirring in the top of the trees, what could that be besides maybe wind? The sound of a rushing mighty wind, as in Acts we talk about how that event came, and they were waiting for God to manifest himself. So it just made me think uh, about waiting on the Lord and being ready to hear what he has to say. Sometimes we need to do that before we make a big move. We need to have his spirit speak to us. There's a song we sing sometimes, it's um, To Thy Temple I Repair. And the last verse in that song talks about While thy ministers proclaim peace and pardon in thy name, through their voice, by faith may I hear thee speaking from the sky. And as we hear the word of God and spoken and taught and it's not always just what I would have to say here this morning but it might be what God through the spirit would speak to you from his word maybe things that I don't even directly bring out I think that's a a benefit and a goodness we can experience as we meet together and share with one another. Proverbs 16:1 says, "The preparations of the heart is the preparations of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord." And I thought recently how well that corresponds with Romans 10:10, 10, 10, "With the heart man believeth." Unto, unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation 
I suppose whoever wrote Proverbs, those verses, little did they know they would be speaking of God's plan of grace and faith in the blood of Jesus, in the blood of the Lamb. For a message this morning, my theme verse, I think, would be 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. It says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Not week by week, day by day on a daily basis. And week by week may be better than nothing at all. And I trust you look forward to being together on a weekly basis. But day by day, there's, there's an ongoing aspect to that. There's a building up in our faith as we apply ourselves to where we are advancing in our Christian walk. Going from grace to grace. And as the song says, from victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Psalms 84, verse 7, from strength to strength. And my favorite comes from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It talks about going from glory to glory, beholding the glory of God in our lives. I believe it is the, a spiritual experience that he's speaking of when he talks about the glory. It is that glory of God, the presence of God, that I believe enables us to overcome evil. That is the formula. You overcome evil with good, if you like formulas. Isaiah 60 talks about a time when darkness shall cover the earth and great darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. That is often in the darkest times when the glory of God, the light of God will manifest itself. And you see the confrontation between light and darkness. Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That's a challenge in our world today, to be lights. As at creation, it talks of the, the, um, the world was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And the abundance of that light, we believe it was the sun, began to shine. The sun stands as a symbol of the glory of God. The physical sun we see in the sky, it's too bright to look at with your naked eye. 
at least it's not advisable to, to behold that brightness. The same with God. And in the new creation, it says that God's glory will be the light. There will be no need of the sun. I'm thinking of the goodness of God and his going from grace to grace and being renewed continually in our spirits to that we aren't just floating along in life in somewhat of a passive state, but there's spiritual warfare in our lives. And the thought of revival, it often crosses our mind, of being renewed in our spirits. And so my, my title for the message this morning is Renewing Your Strength. There was a story in the book of Genesis chapter 45. And there was a man in that story that he heard something that was too good to be true. Have you ever heard something that when you first heard it, you didn't believe it because it was too good to be true in your own mind? I've heard the other way where it's too bad bad things and it's hard to believe but in the story of Jacob he was living in Canaan and I'm not going to read the story but it's in Genesis 45 verses 24 through 28 his sons were returning from Egypt the second time they had their brother Benjamin along they had the goods of Egypt that Joseph had sent back. And they came into the land of Canaan back to their father and told him, Joseph is yet alive and governor over all the land of Egypt. Do you remember what Jacob's response to that was? He said, Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph. And when he saw the wagons, he saw all the provisions that Joseph had sent to carry him. It said in verse 27, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. I had to think how that works in our life. Revival, a renewal of our strength, of our spirit, of our resolve. Often it comes about by hearing or seeing tangible evidence, the works of God, the testimony of others. And it brings about a renewing of our spirit. And there's hope. In verse 28 it says, Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. I believe it, it's often with words of encouragement to others. 
and a pressing in to bring conviction in their spirits of the truth of God, of the truth of good news that we have, we see renewed hope in their spirits. And I think that should be our goal to bring people to that Holy Spirit conviction that Jesus is yet alive and they can have a holy encounter with Jesus before they die. To many in the parallels of Scripture, Joseph was a type of Jesus. I'd like to turn then to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Renewing of your strength. The book of Isaiah to me is interesting in the fact that it has 66 chapters. And some people say this corresponds with the 66 books of the Bible. But what's interesting in that is the first 39 books of Isaiah would correspond with the Old Testament. And Old Testament scholars... Um, very much have long recognized that these first 39 chapters <clears throat> um, are quite separate and distinct from the latter chapters, 40 through 66. <clears throat> and the latter chapters were written from a standpoint in time that was <clears throat> over a century later in the life of Israel. And so chapter 40 would correspond with the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. And we begin to see a shift in the message <clears throat> and in the comfort of that message, the good news of Isaiah. So did God have a hand in all of that? I'm not really saying if he did or didn't. Uh, with that, with those numbers, whether it was a coincidence of sorts or maybe a divine coincidence. At any rate, it's an interesting observation. So on the idea of, of renewing our strength, this is probably where a lot of people's minds go to. It says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Notice it's, it's describing God here. It's not just God. It's the everlasting God. <clears throat> it's the Lord. It's the creator of the ends of the earth. All these descriptions, they serve, I think, to stir our minds into higher realms of thinking of who God is. <clears throat> Verse 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. For our strength to be renewed and increased, there is also part of that would be a state of weakness or a feeling of weakness or need. 
Do you ever feel weak? What are the signs of weakness in the Christian life? What are the conditions of weakness? What are the, the, the categories where weakness could show up in your life? The Bible would speak quite often toward helping those who are weak. Romans 14.1 begins with, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Acts 20.35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So when the Bible talks about a weak brother or helping the weak or supporting the weak, all these uh, opportunities we have to do that, in the midst of that it is more blessed to give than to receive. But it doesn't really talk about much uh, defining what, what weak is. It doesn't really give a definition of that. And I used to think it would it describe the, the, uh, a person or an individual that was just chronically weak, that, that you know somehow they were destined to, to have this in their life. And there was really no way to change it. <clears throat> but I, I think I've grown to, to believe that it's not a permanent trait. You know, it might be to a certain extent. But the question is, does God really want us to, to remain in a state of weakness, especially spiritual weakness? And a person who may feel that, that this is them or describes them may think to themselves, well, this is just the way I am. And so not a lot can be helped. There is no remedy. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, to me, uh, as a body of Christ, uh, when we encounter these things, is it wrong to think that, you know, there might be a, an answer to this, a remedy for someone who is weak in the faith? Would not strength be a better option in our own lives as well as, as other? Not, not a self-proclaimed or self-promoted strength where we rely on ourselves, but a strength that is of divine origin in which is described in Psalms 28, verse 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. Just one of many countless scriptures calling on the Lord as the strength that we have. Even in the Old Testament, the righteous man acknowledged that divine strength was from outside his own abilities. How much more in the, in the New Testament when we have the, the blessing of uh, the Holy Spirit in a, in a much fuller measure. <clears throat> Is not the inward man renewed day by day?
Have you not known that he is the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? You know, sometimes I think we have a head knowledge of who God is and what we are to be. But is head knowledge enough to always win the day in our experiences? You see, Jacob had a certain amount of head knowledge. Even though he thought that Joseph had died, I believe he still held on to faith in God, his confidence in God, and even as it described that as Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. I believe Jacob kept that morsel of faith in the promises of God. And I'm sure he, he believed that Joseph was, was in the spiritual realm. If dead, at least he was in the heavenlies, in the spirit, with God. But it wasn't until he came to the realization that Joseph was alive in the physical realm that he really uh, began to get excited about the possibilities. And in the same way, I think our head knowledge, um, it may be limited, but it should be accurate enough for us to realize that God wants to show himself strong, not just in the heavenlies, but in this present evil age, that he is a present help in time of trouble. A very present help in time of trouble. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, that says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, I've heard people express the sentiment that, well, even if there wasn't an eternal reward, the blessings, the benefits of living a Bible life in this life would be worth it. But that's not really what 1 Corinthians 15 is saying. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, he says we are of all men most miserable. Yes, there are benefits from serving the Lord and following the Bible. But the reverse of that truth, to me, you could say as well that, you know, if only in the next life we have hope in Christ, well, you know, that's, that brings a little hollow too. If there's no benefit in this life, if there's no manifestation of God's goodness, in the physical realm. The fact is, trusting in God, believing God, has benefits both in this life and in the, in the next. His promises extend not just to things in the heavenlies, but his goodness extendeth to things that pertain, I believe, to the present realm. And we need his, his goodness and his, his strength. <clears throat> the fact is we do face moments of weakness and fainting. 
Now you could look at verse 30 and said, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Is that meant to apply to the righteous? Or is it describing those who are walking in the flesh or in their own strength? You could, you could make that case, I think, that it refers to the strength of youth, but not necessarily those who are walking in the strength of the Lord. <clears throat> I looked for New Testament scriptures that would speak to um, the need for renewing strength, for, for finding yourself in a weak place. And there were a few, such as 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says, My strength is made perfect in weakness. In Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13, there's this thought that I, that I speak in respect of one, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And the conclusion of that is in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The conclusion of the whole matter. Yes, we face moments where we feel the need for more strength. But... For, for most of what you read in the New Testament concerning the power of God and the strength of God, it doesn't seem so much like we're just up and down so much as we are going, continuing from a, a position of strength. And there is a forward motion. There is an emphasis on abiding in the vine not being tossed to and fro by the winds of life. Operating from uh, a position of inward strength and power of the Holy Ghost. And I like verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The promise of this verse is the renewing of our strength. And I think it is somewhat of a fanciful thinking to imagine that we will never face a spiritual problem in this life or a cloud in our spirit. The Apostle Paul even said he had a messenger of Satan that he had to contend with. But as I look at this, I think facing affliction is not the same as being in a state of weakness. It is not necessarily being in that condition. Rather, the Bible would, would say much to being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. That is the command. 
to walk in strength. And so as I, I thought of this, you know, in the New Testament, it doesn't give a whole lot of room for spiritual weakness or to remain in that state. It doesn't condone or put a blessing on that. So what is the principle of Isaiah 40, verse 31? I see a close tie there in those verses toward the waiting upon the Lord being the renewing of our strength. We don't have to wait until we're in some kind of spiritual danger to do this. I'd like to point out three things from this verse. And you could say these are three levels of service toward God. Three categories that we can engage ourselves in. One is flying. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. One is running. And the other one is walking. Different levels, you could say, of engaging ourselves with the work of God. Flying requires great ability um, and energy. If, if you compare it to spiritual or if you compare the spiritual with the physical act of flying. It is the fastest of the three, the most lofty, and maybe we look at people that we think would fit that description of flying spiritually, and we are somewhat envious of their vantage points and their abilities. And then you have running, you have a work that is, it is intense, running is moderately intense, but it can be maintained for a longer period of time. You can kind of find your stride and continue in that. What is walking? I had to think of walking with God. It may be um, seemingly less important things that we do, ordinary things of life that, that don't require a lot of skill or, or talent. Maybe things that don't really have any direct engagement of our spiritual warfare to what we are facing or the resistance that we would face in a spiritual realm the mundane things of life, the things behind the scene, maybe they constitute a, uh, a degree of, of walking. Which of these three is the hardest? And maybe, maybe it is that in the course of our life we find ourselves in all three of these categories. But I had to think there, there's something to be said for walking. You know, Enoch walked with, with God. 
I found a quote from, from something my mother had written down on a scrap piece of paper. And I don't know if it was original with her or not. But here's what it said. To accept unmurmuringly a low position, to smile for the joys of others when the heart is aching, to banish all ambition, all pride, and all restlessness in a simple regard to our Savior's work. To do this for a lifetime takes a greater effort, and he who does it is a greater hero than he who for one hour storms a beach. You know, we need, we need the men who storm the beach. We need those men who run in faith. And each, each of these categories requires the strength of God and the renewing of our strength. I think of some verses from the New Testament scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3.13, that apply to all these categories. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing, and again in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So I, I would trust that the waiting upon the Lord in reaching for the goal of renewing our strength you know, there's probably a whole, a whole sermon that could be written on what that means to wait on the Lord. Sometimes it is a literal waiting. But I think it includes remaining in prayer and devotion and a certain amount of expectancy of what the Lord is going to do. You know, our goal is to meet the Lord someday, whether it's by death or by his return. I thought of the words of a song, Forth in thy name, O Lord, I go. It talks about him, run my course with even joy and closely walk with thee to heaven. How often it is that the joy of the Lord is what? strengthen us for our walk with him. There's something about having the joy of the Lord that is like the oil in the machinery to keep to keep the thing going and to reduce the friction. And it's a blessing to find joy of the Lord in meeting with our brothers and sisters and seeing tangibly results to seeing the fruit of the Spirit working in his midst, in the midst of his people. And it could be very simple things that you could overlook. But as uh, Brother Luke was sharing the announcements this morning, the, the generous offering, um, let's not take it for granted, but I see that as God working, God is at work.
even in the financial things of life. So I trust you're encouraged in your walk this morning with the Lord and endeavor to continue that walk as long as it takes to find our place in the calling that God would have us to do. We we'll ask our song leader to lead us in a song.